Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are there insect-like beings living in the water or underground that aren't insects? It's one of the weirdest questions we ever asked. When we die, do we just switch dimensions? What's wrong with doing seances? Hey there, and I am Ben Eno, and welcome to the 561st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those burning questions and very odd ones came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we are pleased to bring you an open line show wherein we will attack our ever-growing stack of emails. And I don't even remember the last time we had an open line show, but it's been a very long time. Yes, we have to attack the stack. Yes, we do. Oh, good rhyme. Um, also, we uh, are welcoming your phone calls this evening on any paranormal subject. Number to call, 401-766-1240, or locally, or well, that's locally, I should say, and from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. Okay, well, let's get started with the attack. Right. <laughs> We've got uh, lots from Facebook. This evening, uh, the first one is, and again, we some of these go way back because we have to get through our emails, and that can take months. Here's one from Lynn. And is we that do a not, picture? Is there a picture? Well, no, there's a picture later on of something, but okay, not from Lynn. Is that, is and that? we don't know where she's from. There's just question marks there. Okie doke. So uh, Lynn from wherever, uh, she writes to us. I was uh, regressed last year, and the regression therapist was trying to uh, help me deal with this terrible fear of rail fences. Uh, I've had this since I was a baby. Uh, Why would somebody be afraid of rail fences? The hypnotism did not uh, get anywhere, but the therapist said that there was a good chance I died in the past life from falling off a rail fence after crashing crashing into or something. Uh, I suppose that is possible, but then rail fences usually are not very high or very strong. Then I hear your ideas about parallel lives and instead of past lives. Is there any explanation of my fear from that direction? Well, uh, barring the idea that we're wrong and that the reincarnationists in the classical sense are right and that you were not uh, standing there in a previous life when Abe Lincoln was making rail fences and accidentally hit you in the head (coughs) with one, but... Uh, I, I think that what we're dealing with here is just as you suggest at the end, parallel lives instead of, re, of, of past lives. Now, how does that work? Well, if you listen to the show regularly or if this is a first-time listener, we, we have the notion of the multiverse. That is something that has been prevalent in physics. The, the term originated, believe it or not, way back in the 19th century uh, with a philosopher, uh, Henry James, but it... it It has come down into the uh, common usage in physics these days, particularly quantum mechanics, which is a rather interesting fringe. It's the fringe branch of physics, fringe in the sense that it's kind of out there, but but it is it is respected. It is it is science, and it is not uh, pseudoscience. It is um, generally believed that there is um, there there are many different parallel worlds. Now there may be many interpretations of how these work. Our particular interpretation comes from my experience over the years in watching paranormal phenomena unfold and believing that the the usual explanations uh, in the sense of ghosts, of course, that comes pretty much from spiritualism, that uh, ghosts are spirits of the dead. Okay, well, I didn't find that to be good enough. I don't believe that because I think it's far more interesting than that and uh, in a way far more real, I suppose. So this is the idea of multiple worlds, okay? So when you have other lives 
involved, it is very possible that you, as you say at the end, Lynn, have a parallel life going on where you were um, had a bad experience with a rail fence, and, and, and that is possible. I was in love with rail fences when I was a kid, and I was at the age of 11 or 12. I, I filled our yard with them in East Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, my mother was very pleased because I was doing something. But I never was afraid of them, certainly. However, I could see that you can get splinters and all sorts of bad things can happen when you're little around rail fences because they aren't very strong and they aren't very big, but they are, everything's big when you're, when you're a, a little child. So uh, it could, it's possible that maybe you have a, a, an experience you didn't remember. Now, I'm no psychologist. I studied it, but I don't have a degree in it. Uh, that you may have uh, gotten a big splinter or maybe uh, you were injured somehow falling off one. But um, it, it's often thought of by uh, regression therapists, people who believe in reincarnation in the classical sense as past to future, which really is not possible because physicists have also pretty much proven that there is no past, no future. Everything exists pretty much simultaneously. As Einstein said, uh, time is a function, as we experience it anyway, is a function of our consciousness. It really has no objective existence. So that's just, um, we just experience that way. This doesn't really exist that way. So uh, as far as the dying and uh, from a rail fence uh, fall, that's, I suppose, possible. It could be happening in a parallel life. So I suppose it's six of one, half dozen of the other. So it's not a past thing. It might be going on right now. There may be many other explanations for this. Um, I would say that you um, might want to um, describe to us, if you would care to write again, what the nature of this fear really is. I mean, can you walk near them? What is it that you're actually afraid of? Is it is it being hurt by them? Is it you know falling over them? Uh, what exactly is it? Uh, I think this might be a more a parallel life experience, as you say, than a um, than one that is of past to future, a past life thing. Because as I say, I don't think past lives can can exist. Uh, with any objective reality. So there, there we are. You can have a parallel life in a past time because time is simultaneous, according to physics, uh, generally, at least as a way that's accepted. So anyway, uh, I think I, I really don't know why you have the fear of fences, but that, that could be an explanation uh, only in a sort of parallel life rather than in uh, a uh, past, uh, past life. So, uh, But um, anything, any phobia can be worked on. I, I should have looked up the... <laughs> Name of the phobia for rail fences, you know, maybe you just use a pentaphobia, the fear of everything, right? So anyway, um, Ben has stepped out in his producer's role here, so I will read the next, uh, na- next one. This is from Jamie in Arizona. And Jamie asks, uh, was wondering if one can be taught shamanism or if you have to be, a, be born with shamanistic abilities. For those who may not be familiar with the term shaman, they are... Well, they, they were traditionally known uh, by uh, the, the Europeans as medicine men, okay, uh, holy men or magicians or this sort of thing, or even physicians or doctors among their people. They are present in virtually every indigenous tribe in the world, uh, Native Americans, and anywhere you go, you're going to find shamans. I happen to, to know a few uh, in, this is a question about shamanism, a few in, uh, one in Quebec and one in Australia, uh, different ends of the planet, who told me the similar similar things. And since we were talking about the multiverse, they said pretty much that I had it right. I was rather lucky they talked to me at all because they tend to be very wary of outsiders. And uh, one I only had just met and talked to him for a few hours, one in Australia. But 
Uh, in any case, they were very open to me. I'm grateful for that. And they said that I was pretty much on the right track with this multiverse idea because that's what they do. They, they uh, To work their medicine or their magic or to make things real in our world that people need uh, in their tribes or wherever, whatever their communities might be, uh, they will go into parallel worlds and get it and literally bring it back. Uh, we've talked about that a number of times on the show. So do you see the question there, Ben? Do you feel that uh, as one who has a little bit of experience with this, people have to be born with it, or can shamanism be taught to anyone? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I say it's a little bit of both. I mean, that comes from any sort of mystic tradition where you can't just wander into it and expect to know it instantly. People try, maybe not instantly, but they try to walk in. And well, I, I'm I'm being uh, hyperbolic here. Yeah, where it, it's it's uh, one of those things where sure an ability is given to you and you have to know how to what to do with it. Not like, oh wow, this is pretty rad. I'm gonna go do all this stuff now. It's like no, it's not the point. I feel like. People try to grab on to anything they can nowadays. Well, as you once said, and with all due respect to our West Coast listeners, uh, California shamanism or California Buddhism or California Hinduism. Well, there's a, we have a habit here in the modern world of taking things and uh, commercializing it. Is that the right word? That yeah. might be the right word. Among others. Well, yeah. things drop out in that transition. Um between its original culture, culture with a big C, uh, into our culture, small C, where it's sort of like a hodgepodge of new agey stuff thrown in and... Because we don't want to do the work. No. Well, it's not... I don't think it's about the work. I think it's it's very individualized. Like, I can do this. I can bring people back from the dead. I can do this or that. I can turn this piece of feather into something mm. and transmogrifying stuff no that, that's not that's not the point the point is not to have magic powers so that you can do extra human things the whole point is to help out a community like the whole community mm-hmm. sense is lost we don't yeah. have yeah. that sense of community therefore i feel as if people who call themselves shamans say who do not live in a community and do not help people then i do not consider that shamanism and right. I, I right. do. I don't mean to be pointed with anybody. I, I'm not singling anybody out in particular. This is just like straight from my my uh, my my uh, brain, basically. Well, you know, I've often thought that that these things arise from not just from the culture uh, that they in which they they live, such as shamanism among the Australians or the Cree in Quebec. Yeah. Uh, but they arise from the land, really, and I suppose taking that to its we use the word logic means anything. You have a logical conclusion, or I guess uh, we should all be following Native American religion because it sprang from this land on which we live here in America, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, so and, and, as, and of course, many of the natives in Alaska adopted a, a certain form of Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, because it, it it's it they related to it because there were things in it they recognized. Okay, so, uh, but but I think we're dealing with a, a sort of very, um, well, as I've often said in our society, with all due respect to its many good and compassionate aspects, most people in our society don't get any older than 12, you know, well, emotionally. Hey. So they want the power, if you can even call it that, shamans don't even think of it like that, but they want, they want, they want to achieve great well, I mean, spiritual look, look things at, without the Remember that the guy work. we had on the show, um... 
uh, a while ago, who was talking about how you can use the multiverse to better yourself. Not oh, like, yes. not like in in like an ethical and moral sense, but in like a monetary sense. Yeah, it's that kind yeah, of. Yeah, he wrote a book about like Vegas and how to be. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that that's the point. No, it's not. That's that's like a big thing in in this this culture we live in. Yeah, where they take spirituality and they marketize it. Mm-hmm. So you can buy books on anything, and they'll say like Taoism in it, but it'll be like the Tao of taking care of your dog, the Tao of playing golf. Yeah, and it's taken aspects of it are taken and turned into what it's not supposed to be. Shamanism is not supposed to be an individual experience. It's a communal experience. That's right. That's, that's what right. I that's what I've learned and that's just that that's what I've seen and what I've experienced. It's a communal thing. It's not like a individual thing you do at home and all that good stuff. It's not like you do yoga. Even then, yoga is supposed to be like a spiritual thing. People do it because they want to stretch out their calf muscles. It's things get transported into our culture, and some like the importance of it drops out. Mm-hmm. And so we only adopt certain aspects of it. So it's like a, a cafeteria spirituality where you just pick things out, and you're like, all right, well exactly. here, here yeah. I'm a shaman, even though. I believe in this, 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 and this, which completely contradicts that I'm a shaman. Well, that's the so there are two problems with it in in that sense that you've described it, Ben. One is that it's it's easy, and nothing really is should be easy that's worth getting. Although that's not always true. Some people are just made for it. But the other point is that it's very shallow, and it really it it just doesn't spring from this person doesn't spring from the right the right culture, or it just doesn't. Uh, it just doesn't fit. It, it's it's shallow and it's immature, and it's uh, inward looking, which yes. is destructive for any spirituality. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's what what modern modern day um, uh, most modern day spiritual. Well, the whole new age is. thing is very inward looking. Oh yes, and it's it's very individualistic it, and selfish, and, and that is utterly destructive. It's self destructive. Yeah, I mean, plus it's it, it ruins your perspective, and thus we have this disconnect from everybody in our communities because we're also inward looking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, me guilty of this as well. Mm. So it's, it's Well, you know, we, we're all part of our, our you know, society. Yeah, that's, that's the point. So I guess that's a long answer to our listeners' question there. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> One it's a little bit of both, perhaps. You know, certain, some, people have, some people can play the piano. Other people just can't even go near it. Maybe, I don't know, they just can't. Make it, make anything of it, and uh, well, to people answer, have talents. Well, to say, I'll, I'll say this to to Jamie's question: If you do feel as if that you have an ability or whatever, just make sure you go to the right person to cultivate it. Just, just you have you have to like really pick and choose, and like really understand like what you're getting into. Well, it's fraught with peril too, because there's so many charlatans out there. The worst the worst charlatans are the ones who don't know they're charlatans. Right. That's the thing. So you have to have some sort of cognitive discernment of what your next move would be. Although mm. you probably you probably are just curious. Uh, just but that's, yeah, there, well, there's our well, answer. Perhaps uh, there, there is a caveat to that. Now, we've all, in terms of of well, let me ask you this, Ben. What relationship do you feel quote unquote psychic abilities have to shamanism? Are they in the same family? Are, is it, are they totally different? Are they the same thing under different names? Well, or? define psychic abilities. Well, I, I believe I just asked you to. You asked me? No, you said what's the relationship between them. All right, two. okay, well, I'll, oh, you give me my own medicine then. I, yeah, I always have to define, <laughs> define everything. Well, psychic abilities are from our point of view, perhaps our definition is you can see... I'll give you... All right, I'll answer my own question. Okay. 
All right, you, with psychic abilities, I think you can see, or mediumistic, I suppose you could spill it over into that. You can uh, have an awareness of what's going on in parallel worlds. You can have an awareness of, the, you're trying to help somebody, you can have an awareness of where you are them and where and when you are them in the multiverse. Because there's, there's an identity among people here. That, that's another story. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, whereas a shaman can not only do that, he or she can manipulate the relationships between the worlds, not just see them. Okay, you get what I'm seeing, saying here. Well, then that, if that's in if that's in the same boat, then I'd say some of the ancient Christian mystics would be in that same boat too. Sure. And even that, even before that, and before that, uh, if that's if that's the case, then I think our terms here are where. Um, they sort of come to clash. Perhaps, maybe, a shaman is just a more adept psychic or whatever. Perhaps. But I think, I think labels are just dumb in general. Uh, they, they, they are st- stumbling blocks. For labels are only yeah. there to show ownership over something. Yes. So you show ownership over your ability by giving yourself a title. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that that's just not that's just not okay in my book. Well, too, I think people should realize that shamans are, are, again, with this term, we often, we hear the term and we picture, you know, some guy wearing a bird's head dancing around a campfire, but that's, that's not necessarily what it is. As, as you say, some of the ancient Christian mystics or, or the ancient, ancient mystics of any religion, of any tradition, probably had shamanistic abilities. And it's funny, uh, I was in the seminary for many years, and people think the priest in the church takes the place is essentially in the same place as a shaman but but no the priest in in the christian church or i i would say the rabbi in in the the jewish temple or etc 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 the clergy of any particular religion are are usually the administrators of the dogma mm. they aren't the shamans they aren't the one ones necessarily you know in personal touch with the creator all right so it's a different, well, you might say, well, in the seminary, it was a, it's a different office, a different calling, a different gift. So um, I think you're right. In order, in order to even approach this question, you have to get the terms terms right. But maybe we've a- approached the approach. <laughs> well, we have, we, we're, we're taking steps, and I don't feel as if I'm equipped to answer them. Okay. Well, I think we've given them something. I, you know, I think it's both. To answer his question directly, uh, Jamie, it's both. You have to have yeah, a certain amount of ability. I've answered it to the best of my abilities. But you have to learn in the right context from the right person, and that, that's the, probably the hardest thing of all. Yeah, finding a good teacher is yeah. extreme, extremely hard, including math, especially for math. Anyway, so moving on, we've got uh, Mark from, uh, is that British Columbia? British Columbia, yeah, yes. Yeah, British Columbia. Yeah, oh, good. I, I know my, my postal places. <laughs> anyway, um, it seems, Mark uh, writes to us, it seems that there are a uh, great many opinions out there on what is happening in the world, where it is leading, and who is behind it. It is almost amusing to hear those on one side, many of them UFO people, that predict the coming of a new golden age with happy aliens and ever-increasing <laughs> indigo children. Uh, that's a mixture of two different people. Uh, on the other side are the doomsayers that say aliens are evil, parasites and parasites of the kind of talk uh, about, or, or that you kind, the kind that you talk about, are in league with them or even are them. I trust your opinions. So, what do you think about all this? Well, there's an example of a term we need to define uh, just before we we approach this: indigo children. 
Oh, jeez. Now this is uh, well. I don't know. I mean, it, it, th- these are supposedly a generation, you know, like you, children in, in your generation, Ben, born in the '90s, maybe, maybe a little bit before, maybe left. All millennials are indigo children. I rather doubt that. But yeah. the uh, indigo children are supposed to be. They have special gifts. They tend to be highly aware or you know, psychic. I've read the characteristics term. of that stuff. Okay, and it's so generic, and it just sounds like the kids are brats. That's pretty much. Well, you know, I, some, it's funny. I, I got the same impression. Yeah, I just, I just well, read no, gifted, it. but uh, nevertheless, you know, one wonders uh, what the current culture will do to them with the uh, various, um, well, electronic distractions and uh, dumbing down that goes on in the school system very often, and that sort of thing. I just wonder what happens to their gifts. I suppose uh, they perhaps persist. I don't know a lot about it. We have done. Uh, we did, we did, we did a show it. on it, yeah, a long time ago. Didn't learn much. Yeah, but anyway, that's what an indigo child, you know, an, an exceptionally gifted child in, in the paranormal sense, I suppose one might call. Is that is that a proper definition? Mm, it wasn't mm. even like that. It it was it was just so, it was so vague. It was like, well, they have special abilities, and it was like, well, like like what? Yeah, can they run really fast? Like, can they just tie you know, their shoes faster? You know, who we talked else? about this with was Cassandra Eason. Did we? Yeah, oh, one, yeah of our, did, one of, one of our British guests, whom I like very much, written eighty like eighty books. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and she uh, she you know she's a very foot on, feet on the ground kind of person about this. But anyway, we, but that's what an indigo child is, in case anyone is wondering. But but to get to the questions here, yeah, there do seem to be a lot of um, of opinions one way or the other, and and I, you don't know whom to believe when it comes to. Uh, or any, if you can believe any of it, when it comes to they said he trusts us. I don't, I don't know why. Well, but, uh, maybe because we, uh, we we say things like that. You know, we 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 don't we present opinions. I think we, we don't necessarily tell people the way things are. Uh, you know, no, because we don't really know. This question kind of goes with the next one. But anyway, I, I think you have. Um, you know, I'm thinking particularly of, of the exopolitics movement and uh. the people out uh, in Phoenix. Every one of whom I love dearly. Uh, who were inspired by the appearance of the uh, UFO phenomenon known as the Phoenix Lights, uh, starting in the 90s, in which uh, I saw from an airplane when we were on the way to San Diego, you and I, a few years ago. Yeah, to, I remember that. To a program. and uh, But regardless of what they are, and I would ask them, I said, do you, I didn't feel anything particular when I saw them, but... I've had people tell me, well, we felt very peaceful. We felt as though we were being uh, taken care of. We felt uh, that it was it was all good and this sort of thing. And uh, there are people who think these aliens are here to save us. There was even these there were these goofy cults. Uh, well, I, I I wouldn't call Heaven's Gate a goofy cult. No, they they they, they were the people who killed themselves, thinking. Well, that was that was I don't know if that was no, that was Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, yeah, no, yeah, no, that was, yeah, a, that was you, a passing comet. You, yeah, you might you might be thinking of Jonestown too. Perhaps, yeah. But yeah, no, they, they, I mean, they both happened around the same time, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah, was, an was, unfortunate uh, trend in those those times. But I think what we're dealing with is um, different opinions about what these things really are. I mean, we don't really understand what they are. On the other hand, are people who think that um, everything's bad and that all these uh, th- these aliens uh, are here to uh, just uh, trick us and to feed upon us. Actually, I. I if these things are what people say they are, I tend to agree with with the uh, the more negative camp on that. I hate to do it, but I just don't see any. Uh, it's like people people just want to find some way to escape our own responsibility for the mess this planet is in, and they want to. Uh, well, I suppose from a viewpoint of anyone who's religious, you might say they want to build the kingdom of God without God. 
Mm. You know, and yeah. that never works. It never has worked. There's no no reason to believe it ever will work. And uh, even when they think they have God, they usually mess it up. But anyway, there are there are many different opinions on this. So I don't know what to tell you, Mark. Uh, just there are all sorts of there are all kinds of thoughts on this. I don't think we can say uh, one way or the other. Yeah, we can't say one way or the other. Uh, I we do use the big C word though, caution. Because in our particular work, what we run into most are what we refer to as the parasites. Uh, Folklore calls them demons. Most of the ghost hunters call them demons. They shouldn't even be out doing what they're doing. And uh, there is uh, a lot of negativity there. And and we're examining uh, in recent years, working with UFO experts, in trying to see where there are parallels between alien experiences, so-called, and experiences with, with parasites. And there seem to me to be many. Now, uh, Kathy Marden, uh, the, uh, one of the, the uh, experts we deal with, a uh, good friend of ours, been on the show a number of times, uh, we've been trading photographs lately of, of photographs that I've gotten from poltergeist cases, injuries on people's bodies, yeah. and photographs she has from people who were allegedly abducted and, by aliens and had certain marks on their bodies. Now, right. sometimes they're very similar, but the, the recent ones we've exchanged over the past week uh, are not similar. She says she hadn't seen any such as we had. And one of them was from uh, someone we're working with in England, and it has, they seem to be almost like scratch marks, l- lines. Yeah. And, uh, you know, naturally, you always ask the people, do you, have you uh, been to a doctor? Have you had uh, an altercation with a bear or something yeah. like that? Recently, is there any other reason uh, to think that the, the, these marks got on your body in a completely normal way? So anyway, that, that's uh, things we're working with. So I don't know. I, I, I tend to see... More negativity than some people do, Mark, and uh, I don't know if Ben agrees with that, but I, I think that you need to be very, very cautious what you believe and how you believe it, and do not take anything at face value. Uh, as I learned in 35 years in newspaper journalism, uh, believe half of what you see and none of what you read. All right. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Or none of what you hear, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. You know, just don't, just don't listen. Don't even leave your house. No, and I should, I should qualify that. It's not that there's some huge conspiracy. Maybe there is, but I mean, it's, it's, it's simply the people are fallible. They make mistakes. I remember uh, being in a newsroom under pressure of deadline. I mean, I, I never saw anybody deliberately try to. Sl- well, maybe today, and of course I go back a ways, but deliberately try to uh, uh, sabotage a story or get it wrong or just not be careful. It just it, mistakes can be made under pressure of deadline. It's unfortunate, but it, but it certainly happens. I don't think it's. I, th- I think it's. It's. Uh, I just find it suspect when people put human motives on non-human things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't. It, it doesn't make sense to me because I feel as if it's the only way we can understand something that's outside of ourselves is, is if, apply if, our very narrow framework to it. Yeah, so it's we. That's why we can't say one way or the other because mm. we're trying to apply human characteristics to non non human things. We have no idea what the what their these things motives are. All we have, or even what they are. Yeah, exactly. Are they from other planets no or idea. you know what who knows? Yeah, we have no no idea one yeah. way or the other. So just keep that in mind. Yes. That um we don't people usually they like to think they know what they t- they're talking about but the thing is we don't know the first thing about what's going on well that's it well the motto of our show everything you know is wrong and on, yes. that, on that cheery note we're going to take our break we'll be right back you're listening to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno on won 1240 in new england's beautiful blackstone river valley and on onworldwide.com be right back <laughs> Hi, 
Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. We certainly want to remind you of several of the charities Ben and I have adopted. You can find direct links to their websites on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com and NewEnglandGhosts.com. And these include USA Cares, USACares.org, wonderful charity that renders financial help when needed to veterans and their families, uh, veterans of the war on terror. Uh, also, uh, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org, that's a local charity here in uh, Rhode Island, which uh, actually they they uh, build and do construct new construction and remodeling for veterans and their fam- wounded veterans and uh, the families of those who have, have uh, perished in in uh, the wars of the last uh, decade, and uh, also youth mentoring connection in ca- uh, that's youthmentoring dot org in Los Angeles and Tony Larray out there and his staff are doing great things for at risk youth using indigenous wisdom. And uh, not, nothing strange or occult about it. They're just using indigenous wisdom uh, to um, help youth connect with themselves and with their communities. And they've done, they've done great things. So check those things out. Okay, so let's get back to our emails on this open line show. Our numbers, again, if you wish to call in locally, uh, 401-766-1240. Or from anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, 800-449-1240. We're also checking emails. Uh, we Got into the habit of monitoring those. That's at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. So we have dealt with Mark. And uh, let's go to Katie from Birmingham, Alabama. Yep. Okay. So uh, Katie writes to us. Uh, I heard you guys on uh, Coast to Coast AM a few years ago uh, talking about the good world and disasters uh, come between 2012 and 2016. Do you still feel that way? And where does that all stand? Well, that's a good question. I guess it kind of follows from the last one. A lot of people are thinking about uh, eschatology, perhaps, as a theological term for the last times or last days. And I, don't, I have no idea whether that's what is going on. I think if you worry about that, you drive yourself nuts. You just fulfill your responsibilities, love your family, do what you're supposed to be doing. That's how I want to be found by whatever, if, if anything, that, that's coming. But uh, the reference here is to a show we did with George Nury on Coast to Coast AM a long time ago, a couple of years anyway. I think it was your first appearance on that show, Ben. And we were talking about uh, the indications that we have that uh, the next few years may not be so great, but that everything will work out in the end. Now, I have to stress, and I've stressed this again and again, this is not some kind of revelation we've received. We're not talking any any spirit guides or anything like that. This is just impressions that I've had over the years. Gathered experience. Gathered experience, uh, a little bit of geopolitical knowledge from days in the military, not that I was doing anything that particularly important, but you do pick up information. And um, just indications uh, that just kind of hit you in in a certain way. We have, uh, I can say, uh, you might call them neighbors in the multiverse who uh, are concerned, I think, about the same things we are no more knowledgeable than we are. Uh, but through a number of, um, of indications, I think there, this good world, as I call it, is something, I guess, uh, like, like Plato maybe described. You and I were talking about this earlier today. Oh, yeah. uh, Plato, the great Greek philosopher, talked about from whom many uh, of the ideas that we have today came, 
good ones and not so good ones, believed that there was a, a, an ideal world and that the things we see in this world are just reflections of those and that everything we strive for really is, is an attempt to get back to that ideal world. Maybe in a way, uh, I, this thing that we call this good world is um, something like that. There is uh, now, I suppose, uh, other kinds of folklore or whatever, uh, or belief, faith might call it heaven. But I mean, people have some pretty strange ideas of heaven and pretty di- differing ones. But anyway, that's what this is about. So yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, things are, are working out uh, as I suspected that they would. I think we're going to be seeing some serious problems um, in the next two years that may lead to uh, a change in the world as we know it uh, that's going to be permanent, I think. Um, I, I Again, I, this is not some kind of spirit. Nobody's telling me this or nobody's telling us this. These are just impressions that we get from our work, particularly myself, who has been at it a lot longer than Ben and has rubbed elbows with many, uh, I suppose, paranormal situations in which yeah, I, I think, um, and I know this is not any kind of medium uh, talking here, or it's no, no, not psychic. It's just rubbing elbows. When you have the multiverse perspective, you tend to be aware of a lot of other life forms around when you're doing this work, trying to help people or whatever. So, long story short, yes, I think it's on track. Uh, I think um, the complications may be nuclear. I hate to say that, but I think that that's what it is. Uh, but you know, hopefully, I'm wrong. You know, and I think uh, you know maybe within the next two years we will find out. But what do you do? You just you know you don't panic, you don't freak, you do what you're supposed to be doing. You fulfill your responsibilities as a as a parent or as a child or as a citizen uh, or in whatever uh, job you have, large or small. Every job is important. Every person is important, and just do your best. And that's the way I know that I want to be found. So that's probably the best way I can put it. So Yeah, and that's pretty much I, I'll say the same thing. Same, okay. same goes for me. That's the problem. That's why we never got our own TV show. The producers say we, we get along too well. We don't argue enough. Uh, I don't really like talking <laughs> about it. So No. <laughs> moving on. No, you just, you just do it. Yes. So moving on from Katie's question, moving on to Mark from um, North Providence. Uh, he writes to us, I find your show and your opinions fascinating, especially when you point out the logical inconsistencies in even the most fundamental concepts of the, quote, feral ghost hunters, unquote, and just about everyone else. Uh, why do ghosts have such material characteristics if they are spirit? If they are spirits? If reincarnation is true, why are there so many ghosts? And uh, when it comes to demons, why would any supernatural creature have the same religious faith as we do? On the other hand, I'm hearing more and more talk of multiverse theories everywhere I go in my paranormal reading. So do you think this is finally catching on? As you say, the modern knowledge uh, paradigm has trouble grasping even basic concepts. Well, that's uh, that's North Providence, Rhode Island, by the way, in our, right in our listing area here. But uh, I think that that's that's very true. Um, I I will I think that the ideas are catching on because I'm running into them more and more. I wouldn't call them modern knowledge. It's more like 19th century ideas that just are tacked on to today's modern, modern quote-unquote, research of the paranormal. What do you mean? You're talking about spiritualism or something? Yes. Okay. Well, 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 I mean, the modern ideas would be more what we, just, what we described about the multiverse and stuff. Oh, wait. But, but then again, I think, what, I think that, that if you were to go back... I think I misunderstood the question. <laughs> okay, well, if you were to go back to the shamans 
and uh, ancient cultures, I think they knew they, they seemed to know ex- from my, my contact with them. They know exactly what we're talking about. We're yeah. talking about parallel worlds and this sort of thing as an explanation for the paranormal. You know, and, and it's funny. You know, we we have the rare occasions we have mediums or psychics on the show, or in our audience, one of our audiences recently, we had a, a well-known local psychic, not not around here, but somewhere another in another state, and. Uh, you know, I, I figure well, she's going she's to argue with us about this multiverse idea because she's more of the spiritualist thing. You're dealing with spirits of the dead when you're t- you know, talk to them, and you know you believe everything they say, whether it's true or not. And all of a sudden, and she's nodding her head that that the parallel world thing is. It's uh, why do they always agree with us? They, they don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. They, uh, yeah. Maybe they just don't want to. Maybe they can't take conflict. I don't know. But in any case. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've got um, some ideas here that are um, not new, but are, are, are I think we're, we're among the few. Maybe not so much anymore, but we were among the few who were applying these ideas of quantum physics to paranormal research. You know, in the field, you have a lot of people. Most quantum physicists have never worked in the field on this uh, subject, and most paranormal people don't know an awful lot about quantum physics. Uh, but I think they're beginning to learn. We 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 are well received, aren't we? In, in our whole lecture season this year, we were, uh, these ideas were well received, whether yeah. by the UFO people or by the more ghost type people, the ghosties. Yeah, um, yeah, we were. I'd say we were. Yeah, and uh, almost to my surprise. On the other hand, th- there are others who are more traditional pop ghost hunters, you might say, more of the uh, maybe the Ed and Lorraine Warren um, school of thought. That you know, well, they get they get irate and upset when we suggest these ideas. Now, I haven't, that doesn't happen a lot lately, but I've gotten a few you know nasty emails from people who said, "What are you doing? You worked with Ed Lorraine Warren. You should know better." <laughs> you should know better. Yeah, well, I do know better, but it's as if saying no they're the masters of the paranormal. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the re- we we um, you know, I have great personal memories of them, and of course, you know, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Ed and Lorraine Warren were probably probably the uh, the grandfather and grandmother of of the pop ghost hunting scene right now, mm. they consider themselves very theological. And the ideas that I see on their website are still the same as they were in the seventies. And you know that's fine if they believe them. But I, and I don't want to badmouth people. But I just thought I was moving maybe beyond that, and uh, that's why we sort of split up, you know, amicably in uh, nineteen seventy eight. But in any case, I, I think that these ideas are catching on. I think most people are um, finding them intriguing and, and a much better explanation for paranormal events than some of the ones that have gone before. So, no, I, I agree with that statement. So who do we have next? Oh, We have uh, Christine from Putnam, Connecticut. Or Kristen, sorry. Kristen from Putnam, Connecticut. Uh, she writes to us, How do you um, know that a feeling of a presence is a ghost? Everybody in the house feels it, and how do you know if there is uh, danger as uh, when you talk about parasites? Well, you know, I did see that question, of course, before we read it, and I thought about it. You know, there are assumptions there, okay? There are some places that are just highly energized, and they affect, um, well, a number of things in us, whether it be our, our brains or uh, sometimes more likely our the bioelectric fields around our bodies. I mean, that's a scientific fact. We eat, every living thing has a bioelectric field around it. 
And um, I think that's how, for, exa- for example, when you approach a horse, horses are very sensitive, or really any animal. I think they, they of course, they, they can see you and smell you, but they also pick up your bioelectric field when you get to a, within a certain proximity, and they can uh, they kind of tell your intentions. I think the more honest someone is, the better they are at reading that sort of thing. And the more honest they are with themselves and with other people. I don't, I don't think you ever find anybody more honest than a horse. I mean, animals in general are, are honest. They don't hold, well, I suppose a, a cat might hold a grudge, but generally they, they tend to be very, you know, what you see is what you get. So that, I think, may be some explanation for why certain areas affect people. There may be no quote-unquote ghost at all. On the other hand, in energized areas like that, and I say energized, where does the energy come from? Well, you, you may have, and I would ask this question, uh, Kristen, you may have a very high water table. You may have sandy or clay soils. Now, this doesn't sound like this has anything to do with it, but it does. These, uh, these conditions will conduct electromagnetic fields that have a lot to do with space and time. They seem to be the boundaries, or at least uh, among, not always, but, but the, the boundaries of the parallel worlds we've been talking about do seem to be electromagnetic in nature and sometimes charged with plasma. That's why you see the bright lights and, and the, the well, I think I think people misinterpret that as the light, you know, and mediums will send people to the light, you know, people who are supposedly dead and heaven only knows where they're sending them, if if indeed that's that's a true scenario. But in any case, I think you need to um, to examine uh, the geotechnic state of the property first uh, see if there is um, that sort of, of stimulus uh, or energized uh, uh, situation going on. On the other hand, you may very well, if you feel a presence, there may be a presence there. question is, what is it? Uh, you obviously are not comfortable with it, so it, may, it might be negative. Right? And uh, the fact that other people in the family feel it uh, gives uh, credibility to your statement that there is something there. One of the problems, if you bring in a psychic or a medium, which I do not advise that you do, uh, is that they very often will believe, if they do contact something and it really is something, that they will believe what it says and not question it. That is very reckless. Again, caution in this regard. So what I would suggest is, rather than trying to find out what it is, if you're uncomfortable with it, or even if you're not, have your family come together, and this is our answer to many of these problems, come together and produce positive energy. If it is a negative being of some kind, it will be repelled by the positive energy. And by positive energy, I mean uh, if you have a problem with some member of the family, get together and talk about it, talk about it solve the problem. If you have stress, you all, everybody has financial stress today or whatever in the family or, or there may be uh, other issues, interpersonal issues with your family. But uh, those can all be worked out or they can be at least dealt with. And there, things like that are very dealt with, are very well, are much better dealt with in a group uh, together than individually. You can do so much more together than you can ever do alone. And especially when it comes to the paranormal. So uh, build up positive energy uh, with uh, laughter. Don't laugh at each other, but I mean, uh, as, as I've often said on the show, I got rid of the worst poltergeist I ever dealt with in 1975 uh, with a joke book, mm. right? 
uh, because it brought in all kinds of positive energy. And there's a long story behind that, but essentially that's what it was. So keep it positive. Bring in positive energy. Uh, if you have anybody in the house who is um, uh, sort of a, you know, a person who is brooding or unemployed or, or negative, take them out. Take them out to, to something, a movie or a ball game or something that's positive and hopefully it will be positive, and uh, that will help. Uh, I've often found uh, there's, a, there's a problem in some houses with people who are, are stuck in the house, sometimes through no fault of their own, through invalidism or illness uh, or some kind of, um, uh, again, unemployment situation. Uh, so th- that, that needs to be dealt with if that's the case. So I, I don't know what, anything about your house or your family, but th- that's good advice for any family. I think, is, is keeping it positive and building up the positive um, aspects there. Uh, how can you tell what it is? Well, <clears throat> I suppose by what it is and by what it, by what it does. Uh, if you're uncomfortable with it, it's probably not anything great. Uh, if you are very comfortable with it, it still might not be anything good. Always, again, here comes caution again, the word caution. Always approach it with caution. So uh, let us know how this goes, but our advice for right now is keep it positive. Right, said Bertie. Right, right. So, well, who's next? Uh, we have uh, Tim from uh, Redmond, Washington, who uh, sent us an interesting article. Uh, he has no idea about the uh, the veracity <laughs> of uh, or the good. sources, but this is. I was just reading it over, and wow, this is really weird. Well, maybe he heard that we'd been in Iceland a few years ago, and maybe this is what brought this up. Or that we talk about elves a lot. Or very well, not a lot stuff. Anyway, so Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, seven years after she vanished without a trace, a female anthropologist emerged from a mysterious cave where authorities believe she may have been held hostage by real-life elves. Uh, Danish researcher... Uh, I don't know how to deal with that. Go ahead. What, the, the pronunciations? No, I, I, I couldn't pronounce anything. All I could say up there when we were there was tack. Oh, thank you. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, so her name is uh, Kalina... S- Sundergaard. Kalina Sundergaard. There we go. Uh, The strange accent marks. Uh, She was uh, stark naked, covered by dust, and babbling incoherently when rescuers found her outside a tiny opening in the famous Elf Rock. Uh, Traditionally believed to house an underground dwelling uh, place of mankind's tiny cousins. Um, She was crouching like an animal and spoke only in a language unrelated to any that we know, uh, said a National Rescue Service worker. So it wasn't Icelandic? I don't know. Um, uh, She was airlifted uh, to a a hospital, and she was uh, 31 years old. Uh, The only word uh, that we could understood was ulfer, an old Icelandic word uh, for elf. Uh, On her back were strange tattoos similar to those uh, markings Viking explorers found on a rock on rock formations when they settled Iceland in uh, the year 874, traditionally known as elf writing. Uh, Kalina, who uh, was uh, seeking proof of the existence of elves, was reported missing in January of 2006. At the time, uh, police suspected she was the victim of foul play, but an intensive search failed to turn up any remains. On February 4, 2013, hikers spotted the scientist crawling on all, floor, on all fours, uh, on a high ledge on the rocky hill, moving more like an ape than a, a human being, uh, one of the hikers told a newspaper. Belief in elves is widespread in the frigid island nation. Uh, one poll shows that 70% of inhabitants believe they share the uh, country with pint-sized underground race called the Huldenfolk, uh, or Hidden Folk. The Hidden People um, 
or the hidden people, I should say. The hidden people live in the underworld, uh, right beneath the ground in rocks and hills. According to, I'm not even going to attempt this man's uh, last name, who is a <laughs> leading Icelandic theologian and psychoanalyst. That's an interesting, interesting combination. Yeah, it's a very interesting and combination. Careers and collide. Yeah, I'm not even going to bother with that guy's name. Uh, Kalina, who uh, was seeking proof of the existence of elves, was reported missing in January of 2006 at the time. Oh, wait, this is the same sentence. Uh, oh, okay. Actually. Well, I think we got the point. Yeah, you got the point. All right. Yeah, that's really All right. weird. Well, one, one thing, I mean, we, don't get us wrong, but we love Iceland. Uh, the people are absolutely wonderful, and the the landscape appeals to our austere taste. Uh, and it's, But I should point out, it's, it's very volcanic. Yeah. It's right on the... Um, the, the, in the in the, the subduction zone between the North American plate and the and the, the Eurasian plate, I believe. Mm. I think my geology is correct there. And when we were there. We saw fissures next right next to the airport for pizza. Yeah, and um, that was that was uh, comforting. Yeah, right. And, and all we flew Iceland Air, and all the airplanes are named after volcanoes. I didn't find that very reassuring. Anyway, they were, they were great people. We had a great flight. But anyway, uh, so there are underground sounds. And things happening underground all the time. So one can imagine that there would be legends from their ancestors who were Vikings. Every one of them is descended from Vikings. Uh, that uh, there might be people there and all this business. Now, on the other hand, the term elf um, just cries for disbelief. Yeah. You know, people, you just hear, it's like the term fairies, as you very wisely pointed out in one show uh, it's it's the word fairy that just that just um, uh, cries out to be laughed at, you know. Mm. But that doesn't mean that there is not some deep reality of some kind behind this folklore, because every everything that's in folklore is there because uh, there's a reason for it. There's something that some human experience deep in the past that occurred to create the story, right? And so I, I believe that's the same thing, probably with this elf business. So. Um, but I think you, I, a lot of the volcanism on the island might be responsible for some of the stories, anyway. But but I don't know anything about this this yeah, scientist. I have heard this elsewhere. It's a good campfire story. What the scientist being kidnapped by elves? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I have heard this from other sources. Oh, have you? And, yes. Okay. And it it was um, reported in the press. I heard it from several people who wrote. To us about it, but this is the, this is the first person. I, but I hadn't seen this particular story before. I think it's from the Reykjavik City newspaper, whose name escapes me. I can, couldn't pronounce it anyway. <laughs> but um, I think that there, you, you have you can't just dismiss these things out of hand. There are realities behind this. And if this person was a scientist and claimed to have been held prisoner by some kind of, uh, it, it could be a, a, a multiverse experience, a multiple world experience. We I very do often, more research on it. I'd like to do some more research on it, but I know for a fact that there are many cases that are well attested. I've spoken to people who watch people disappear, uh, some of whom were never seen again. Others appeared in other places. Uh, there, there were a number of, of experiences like this uh, where people would say they were taken underground or whatever. And today, of course, we have the uh, alien abduction experience. And one wonders, are they, you know, if these really occur, what is the nature of it? Is it similar to the uh, profound human experience that occurred to people who said that they were kidnapped by elves in the old days, and this kind of thing? Do we put our own um, point of view into the terms that we apply to the phenomena? In other words, elves to the Vikings would they be aliens to us today? 
uh, some of the some of the renditions one sees in old art that look very much like the grays that we see today. So again, is it the context in which people experience these things? And uh, aside from any labels, are, are, what are they are they really experiencing these things? And, and exactly what are they experiencing? And who's doing it? And why? So again, we uh, ask one question and we get ten more. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. So I'm glad the scientist was recovered, whatever the reason for her, her disappearance. And uh, here we are. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's kind of spooky stuff. Uh, yeah, so moving on, got uh, Frank from the UK who um, <coughs> writes to us. I think this is going to be the last one. Mm, for, we yeah, get to the actual emails. All right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you seen or heard anything uh, like this before? I keep getting these scratches. They appear randomly several times a year, mostly on the tops of my arms, but uh, sometimes on my back, and I'm not sure what to make of it. They are too close together to be made by a human, and I have no pets, etc., and I can't work it out. Okay. Uh, no, it's a very good question, very common, and he did send us a photograph, which I will not show really on, on the uh, webcam here. Uh, now, you know, we met Frank when we were in England. Did we? Yes, we did. Oh, wait, yes, yes, we did. Yes, and uh, a lot of the people in the area had um, been telling us things were going on, uh, this particular place we were, and uh, Frank had just, but this is very recent, he only just asked about this. Uh, as we were saying a little earlier in the show, Frank, if you're listening, um, it's uh, almost midnight where you are. Yep. And so, uh, but we, the the marks uh, do resemble some that I saw in Bud Hopkins's, uh, Bud Hopkins being an alien abduction expert who was uh, who passed away, but is, was renowned for that work. Uh, some of the the marks that uh, I saw in his album of abductees. Now I don't want to alarm you. Uh, but I've also seen this in poltergeist cases as well. So the question is, what's really happening? And these marks uh, are uh, like four scratch marks on uh, Frank's shoulder in the photo here. And they are they don't look like, to me, straight cat scratch marks, things like that. They seem to be points of contact with something sharp, perhaps, or even almost like burns. Uh, so we'll be in touch with you further about this, Frank. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what... Um, exactly um has transpired since you wrote this and uh, i i just um uh, to answer your question yes i have encountered this and some of the um and i did as a matter of fact i did send this to uh kathy marden for her to look at you as, as i said earlier she's the one we've been dealing with lately and just comparing notes on this sort of thing and wondering you know what is an abduction experience uh, with aliens and what what is a poltergeist experience and are they related and can one be mistaken for the other etc and she had not seen uh, this sort of mark in abduction cases. So I think you can probably be assured that maybe that's not what's going on. So again, I would, uh, as I suggested, uh, go to a doctor and just have it checked out and see if you get an opinion on that, and uh, we'll be talking to you about it further. But uh, again, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of questions with these, these things, and it is quite uh, difficult sometimes to put the right label on, on, on this business. So let's... Um, I'll have to close it off there. And uh, I would just suggest that you visit our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com. You can find nearly 600 free podcasts of past shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. 
And you can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Nook, etc., etc., the usual places. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you. And you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the charities that we mentioned and several others, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy and YouthMentoring.org. Alrighty, uh, there we are. Next Monday, November 24th, right here on ON1240 and ONWorldwide.com. We will welcome researcher uh, Christopher O'Brien to discuss the cattle mutilation mystery. And we leave you this evening with a thoughtful thought from the great American author Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson. What course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you that you are wrong. There are always difficulties arising which tempt you to believe that your critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to the end requires courage. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.